Welcome back to Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Christian Willem. He's a design enthusiast, and he is focusing on smart cities. This is Technotopia. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York, that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com Welcome back to another episode of Technotopia. I'm here in beautiful Barcelona, Spain at a Smart Cities conference with uh, Christian Willem. He's a design enthusiast. Uh, from Denmark, and Denmark is one of the happiest places in the world. He's been very, very happy so far. It's been very impressive. Um, Christian, why don't you tell us what you're working on and what and what you do? Right. So I I work for an organization called the Danish Design Center, which is a publicly funded uh, self-governing organization uh, run out of Copenhagen in Denmark. Uh, that translates into us being funded with tax money. Uh, and working to uh, increase the use of design and design methods in business. So we act as a nonprofit, but work and aim to uh, to make other companies uh, profitable. So, um, so my particular focus uh, is uh, strategic design, design, which uh, is much less to do with the uh, act of giving shape to objects and much more uh, focusing on how to shape processes. Uh, processes for innovation, ways to overcome challenges, ways to create solutions for the future. And to be very specific, I operate mainly in two fields. One is the design of future cities, how to make them more livable using design methods. And the second is the future of fabrication, how we're going to make our things in the future now that all the new fabrication technologies, uh, digital fabrication technologies are upon us. Okay, so what does... I always ask this at the end, but what does the city of the future look like when you guys are done with it? Well, obviously, uh, we have a human-centered approach, which means that uh, when you use design methods to, uh, to shape anything, uh, you basically take a point of departure in the person or the organization or the company or the city um, uh, administration that is going to sort of use the solution you're trying to create. So in that sense, uh, if, you don't, if you don't have these people sitting at the table when you're sort of imagining and developing the future, then there's a high likelihood that what you're trying to make will not necessarily fill the needs that they have. Uh, so, so basically the city that, that I envision and, and that we envision, I think a lot of people envision, is one that is uh, livable for all, has a large degree of inclusion and opportunity for, for everyone uh, uh, that, that are in the city, but also, of course, one that uh, takes advantage of the technologies we have at hand. And those technologies, uh, the new technologies, uh, whether that be you know, 3D printing, blockchain, artificial intelligence, robotics, whatnot, um, bring with them a large degree of uncertainty because they represent something that's radically different to what we know. And that's why we at the Danish Design Center and many other places argue that in order to make those two ends meet, you know, have the vision of the, the, the safe, uh, livable city uh, sort of combined with all these uh, amazing yet disturbing technologies is to use design methods. 
and by design methods, uh, you know, basically meaning, um, you know, take the end user uh, to the table as part of the main solution, working iteratively, make, you know, quick prototypes, take them out into the real world, get the feedback, which is most likely feedback that takes you in another direction than, than you thought you would go, and then constantly uh, evolve your, your, your idea, your solution, or your vision for the future until it, it sort of matches that of the people who live there. So can a city afford to do that? It's not like a city can iteratively install a plumbing system, right? Right, yeah. Well, or, I mean, or like yeah. iteratively install a solution to global warming. Right. Which right. is kind of a big deal, right? Well, it's complicated, and that's part of, of working design-driven, is to embrace complexity. I mean, the easiest way of developing a solution is to have some you know, brilliant people that you know and you work well with go into a room develop the solution, come out, and then show it to the world. That's the easy way, even though it might be a very complex uh, solution. But, and, 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 you know, the opposite being, you know, if you invite everyone in there, you know, it's going to be a, a shouting fest and, you know, all these agendas and whatnot. So obviously you need to find this middle ground, and obviously there's a difference between, uh, you know, installing uh, pipes for, for plumbing and developing, a, you know, a, 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 like a you know, technological uh, strategy for the city. And that, you know, also includes how to embrace or not embrace, but sort of avoid, I guess, the, uh, the, 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 the repercussions of climate change. Mm -hmm. But you just need to know what this methodology can do and when to apply it and, and how to apply it right. And that's why I also uh, advocate the idea that cities need to work together more. You know, there's so many brilliant initiatives taking place uh, on city level, uh, large and small. But often these solutions are either sort of held on to because, you know, it's our idea or, you know, they don't, these cities don't have the, the, the shouting power to actually make other cities that could really use that solution aware of that. So ultimately, I think, you know, there are so many ways to approach this ideal city that we all talk about and there's not a one size fits all. And that's also why, you know, the, the, the things that I'm advocating here is not a one size fits all. These are universal tools that you apply uh, when you need them. Uh, the, you know, the only thing that I'm saying for certain is that if you don't use these tools, if you don't involve citizens and businesses and NGOs and whatnot that are in your city in, in making this, the city that, that they, they want to, then it's going to be a uh, then it's going to be a, a sort of very long road that you're mm -hmm. you're you're driving on. So I guess the uh, I guess the idea before was that there was one guy who basically said you can't have you have to put a foot between or whatever half a meter between studs in a wall, and if you don't do it, then you're you're not up to code and you have to tear down your house, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So that was one guy, and he he invented that thing, and that was that was or maybe a group of maybe a group of engineers who got together and did that. So you're saying that. The future is defined not by a group of engineers, but by a group of engineers and normal human beings and politicians and everything. Yes. And it's pretty difficult to get politicians to talk to each other. How do you, how do you get all those different cohorts to talk to each other? Well, so concretely, this is actually something that we've been doing. Uh, as recently as three weeks ago, we attended a conference in Miami called City Lab. Um, where we ran a uh, workshop titled Crash Course, How to Apply Danish-Style Design in Your City Management and Development, where we basically invited uh, you know, a very diverse group of people, including mayors and uh, engineers and designers and architects and people outside any of those categories, to sit in a room for an hour and not only hear about these things, but more concretely, actually go through a series of exercises 
where they they built physical prototypes using uh, some figurines and, and boxes and stuff that we had brought. Really simple, like cardboard materials. And the thing is that a lot of the mayors that attended that workshop are the ones that are sort of usually keeping uh, a certain distance towards any type of sort of interaction with the general uh, public because that's where criticism comes from. And, you know, I, I can totally see why that is the case. But in this case, when applying some of these, uh, first you have a, uh, you know, these tools and you have a brainstorm about solutions and then you build them together, all of a sudden it becomes much more playful. And it's not focused so much on the problems that the city has, but much more on the vision that is shared around the table. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that you know you necessarily would be able to bring you know the exact people that is developing this exact solution uh, to the same table at the same time, but if you can just bring some of them, or if you can have like a series of workshops that leads up to one where all the right people are there, or if you just if you just think about how you um, sort of invite feedback and act upon it, then you've come a long way in adopting this mindset. Mm -hmm. Now, couldn't we also just say that technology just sort of implants itself in a city and then the city has nothing to say about it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to a large extent, that is what's happening. I mean, look at Uber. But And should that be the case? Should it be allowed, I guess? Should that well, sort of regulation... Yeah, yes and no. I mean, obviously, that's a, that's a tough question because, you, you, you know, there's a lot of challenges following mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, that, that ha you know, haven't happened. But there's also such a huge potential and a way of looking at our resource in a totally new way, coming from total, you know, private enterprise. So, so I come from Denmark and Copenhagen, where we have a, a, a sort of huge uh, faith and appreciation of the state, and a lot of the, uh, pretty much all the services are, are run through public funds, and we have a high uh, tax level and all that. Uh, whereas in other places, you know, you have much less of that. Um, so there's there are varying degrees to which private enterprise has an opportunity to offer solutions. And, and much like any other solution, you want to find that sweet middle spot where you have enough regulation to keep everyone safe and also you know, have people keep their jobs to a certain extent. But on the other hand, be open towards the disruption and embrace it, uh, the disruption that comes from technology, and not try to regulate against it. The thing is that once, you know, once we've made a technology, it's pointless to try to ban it and you know, imagine that you can enforce that. I mean, once we create something, it's there. We have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, somehow, you know, taking, you know, bring Uber, take, take them to the city hall <laughs> or, you know, the, 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 to mm -hmm. the parliament and, and work it out. You know, not necessarily work it out in the sense that, you know, how do we regulate this, but have them be part of the, 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 the plan for the future. Because obviously, you know, these, uh, the people that are, you know, creating these products that are just sort of pushing their way in and disrupting a market, you know, they, they, they have some visions for the future too. Why not combine that and, and embrace it rather than try mm -hmm. to sort of oppose it? Are all countries trending towards Denmark? I, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, we're, okay, so where are they trending? If we're going to be, if we're going to be optimistic about this, then we assume that all countries trend towards maybe one of the, maybe one of the Baltics, right? So one of the, yeah. Norwegian, Norway or Sweden or one of these places. Mm -hmm. If we're going to be dystopian, you could say all countries trend towards right now America, China, mm -hmm. and maybe some third world nations. Right. So where where are countries trending? 
Um, so I think, again, there's not a one-size-fits-all, and that's really the, the essence of, of where, I guess, any city should be trending, because ultimately there are you know, huge differences in culture and, and, and sort of um, the, the, the vision of what the ideal city really is. So in that sense, I mean, it would be uh, very arrogant for me or anyone coming from, from the Nordic countries to say that our model is the best. Uh, I think what, what, is, what is really the, the thing that we should be measuring is the, the happiness of people who live in a city and then ensure that you know, their ideal of the city is the one that that's, you know, is, is aimed towards. It, it, it all comes back to the user involvement, the, the, the user-driven, user-oriented design process. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, I, I think that, you know, for instance, uh, the U.S. would have a, a, another vision for what the ideal society would be. Of course, there would be a lot of sort of universal characteristics that would, you know, be to, be to, uh, to be found in any city, regardless mm -hmm. of whether it's China, Europe, or, or the U.S. or South America. Uh, and that goes for, you know, uh, safety, uh, prosperity, food on the table, uh, roof over your head, the ability to pursue your dreams. And how to get there is, I guess, uh, you know, something that is also defined by culture. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, what, what we're representing and the sort of uh, vision for the future that, that fits Copenhagen or Stockholm or Helsinki um, could be somewhat different from, from that of, uh, you know, Atlanta or Houston or mm -hmm. even San Francisco. Um, but so, the, you know, just bottom line is that the, the, the tools and the, the, the visions that I'm advocating are universal. That it doesn't point towards any type of political system or any type of model for society. It's something that you can apply to any process, not just city development, but any sort of uh, challenging process where, where you're trying to find a, a, let a vision drive a solution to a complex problem. So the idea is to ask people if they're happy, right? Yeah. But then to, to go down the down a rat hole, you can basically say that the people during the French Revolution were pretty happy. If you gave them a survey, they'd be okay. And <laughs> the during, guillotine was a technology yeah, during, pretty disrupt, disruptive. And during right? uh, Stalinist <laughs> communism, I was pretty, everybody was okay. Everybody had a little bit of bread and they were okay. And then right. maybe there were a couple million who died. Yeah, yeah. It's how do we define a future culture um, as being good or bad objectively, which is a very, very difficult question, obviously. Uh, I think we talked about this in the panel that we just had, the idea of Dubai has a happiness meter, mm -hmm. that when you leave a government official, you press a button, you a little smiley face or a sad face, mm -hmm. and that government official is, receives the feedback that they're being mean or whatever. Yeah, and there's a bigger big data stream. That's yeah. Sort of, yeah. Is yeah. that, that going to change Dubai in a meaningful way, and how can it change Dubai in a meaningful way? Well, that's a really good example, and, and uh, ultimately, I think that if you are soliciting feedback from the population, then regardless of the methodology through which you do that, you will get some negative feedback. And if you do not act on that, then it's just placebo. You know, it, 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 it becomes pointless. And the question is whether that is the case for Dubai, and you know, in this particular you know, uh, day and age. I mean, ultimately, I, I, I'm an optimist. Uh, I, I, I consider myself critical towards the human rights abuse that happens there. But the simple fact that they're aiming towards having this kind of feedback loop from citizens, then unless, uh, you know, they have a strong segregation, then that includes feedback also from the oppressed. So that remains to be seen. I think what would be really interesting is also whether the 
sort of global open data currents, uh, you know, with, with public agencies opening up their data, whether that uh, is going to be applied also in Dubai so that we, the rest of the world gets to see that data being collected. So I think I, I've, been, I've been blogging earlier uh, about uh, this concept called uh, open washing, which is a spin-off of, mm -hmm. of greenwashing. And I, I guess, um, you know, that, that type of thinking can be applied to this as well. I mean, if, if as a city you apply measures that indicate that you aim towards inclusion and equality and all these things, uh, and then you end up not doing that, then I think in the long run you're going to have much bigger problems than you have right now being a, an oppressive uh, city or state. Mm -hmm. Okay. What... What does what does your ideal city look like in the next twenty years? What does it look like generally? So I think so I think that that um, obviously technology will uh, immensely shape how cities uh, appear in twenty years, and I think automation and artificial intelligence is going to be two of the, the main factors uh, alongside three D printing. Uh, the latter being you know radically transforming towards how we make our things and how they're gonna be made locally more so than you know in some country far away um, so I think those three trends will will uh, sort of uh, have us gravitate towards uh, all this a, a high degree of comfort things will be available to us at least in in, in the you know in the cities that are well off already because things will just become easier I think we'll also own um, uh, less items because it'll be much easier to just summon them through your phone, like a you know mm -hmm. driverless car or you know a, you know whatever you want to eat. Um, but the the combination of that automation and data gathering and so on will uh, will make cities much more self sustainable. Uh, I think also the circular economy mindset that's really sort of uh, pacing forward right now will change how we sort of dispose of our garbage and how we recycle and reuse that into new products and so on, commodities. So I guess we'll move from, from owning things towards uh, having access to great service. Mm -hmm. We're also going to lose our privacy, probably. Uh, and we're probably going to do it willingly. Uh, and obviously that's uh, the, the backside to the coin, which we can't imagine uh, what will look like. So I guess it, 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 it's sort of a, the city will become a metaphor for all these new technologies, this reuse and a misuse. And uh, ultimately, I, I, I'm an optimist. Mm -hmm. I, I, I personally, I, I embrace new technologies because um, you know there are so many fields where we can do much better. Uh, health, uh, like how data and robots will dramatically improve uh, our, our general health across. Uh, but also, uh, you know, in general, I, I really sort of embrace the vision of having uh, many more products made locally so that our you know the the, the uh, carbon dioxide emission level uh, come becomes radically lower and so on, and um, I guess you know these are I think general terms. And then coming back to to what uh, we discussed just before with having cities having their own version of an ideal future. Mm -hmm. Then personally, I I'm I'm obviously being a native Dane, very much like the model that we have, but that's just me personally. I I, I don't have any sort of a a colonial uh, uh, sort of uh, desires or anything like mm -hmm. that to impose that on others. Um, I, I do think, however, that the, the, the climate change issue is one that we all are obligated to uh, to do something about. So regardless of, of, of what kind of political system we we desire, 
then you know ultimately that's that's one thing that we need to agree on. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So there you have it, uh, Christian Wilm. He's a design enthusiast. Uh, fascinating discussion on that. We should bring you back on when you guys have solved all of the world's problems. It feels like Denmark's going to win it, right? Give us a couple of years. Give us a couple more years. Where can people find out more of what you're working on? So I, uh, I'm, I'm, as mentioned, I'm part of the Danish Design Center, and we have a very easy URL. It's ddc.dk. Mm-hmm. So I'm there, my whole team is there, uh, and uh, I invite everyone to get in touch. If uh, what you heard here is something that resonates with your vision for the future, we are... Uh, entirely focused on partnerships and collaboration, so we never work alone. We only work with uh, with uh, great people and organizations and companies out there. So get in touch. All right, sounds great. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Okay. Great. Yeah, I think we got it. Yeah. So this will be uh, published uh, sometime soon. Yeah. Thank you.